I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Hi, guys. Just wanted to remind you it's National Veterinary Technician Week. So if you know one, work with one, have one in your general social media vicinity, uh, just let them know how much you appreciate them. And give them candy. And a pen. We love pens. And hugs. Well. If they like hugs. Yes, ask first. <laughs> Maybe air hugs. Thank you, everybody. Technicians, thank you. thank you for all the things that you do. You're amazing. Welcome to Snack-Sized episode number 12. What up? Starting out today, I'm going to revisit a topic that we talked about last week. Last week, we presented a clinical case, and the diagnosis was Addison's disease. During that episode, I mentioned that fluid choice for treatment for Addison's disease is no longer normal saline or NACL. It's now a balanced electrolyte solution like LRS or plasmalite or Normasol. And I figured we were going to get some more questions about that, so I wanted to provide more information in this episode. And... I looked up some additional information, so here we go. I'm going to read from some proceedings from the Western Veterinary Conference, and this was presented in 2010 by Ellen Behrend, the endocrinologist at Auburn University College of Veterinary Medicine. I went to Auburn and had Dr. Behrend as my professor, so that's exciting. Ooh, yay localness. Yeah, the talk was update on diagnosis and treatment of canine hypoadrenocorticism. And I did ask Dr. Barron if I could read this information. So I'm going to just read directly from the proceedings. For treatment of an Addisonian crisis, fluid therapy is paramount and the primary priority. Although use of 0.9% saline used to be advocated, rapid correction of hyponatremia, that means low sodium, has now been recognized to lead to central nervous system dysfunction. During chronic hyponatremia, the brain adapts to prevent cerebral edema, that means swelling in the brain. With rapid correction of serum sodium concentration, osmotic shifts and cerebral dehydration occur, with a possible resultant pontine myelinosis and neurological signs such as disorientation, dysphagia, which means uh, difficulty swallowing, weakness, and quadriparesis. So you might actually see weakness in all four limbs. Thus, although balanced solutions such as Normasol R or lactated ringer solution contain potassium, they are currently the fluid of choice, with the latter possibly being the best as the sodium is the lowest. So she's saying lactated ringers is, is actually probably the ideal situation. Sweet. Hypertonic saline administration is contraindicated, so straight up don't use hypertonic saline. Hmm. For treatment of an Addisonian crisis, shock doses of fluid should be given initially and then rehydration corrected over 6 to 24 hours, depending on patient stability. Subsequently, fluid therapy should be adjusted to increase serum sodium concentration at a rate of 0.5 milliequivalents per liter per hour. Frequent measurement of serum sodium concentration is important to ensure the rate of correction of hyponatremia is appropriate, so not too fast. Mm -hmm. Fluid type and rate can be adjusted accordingly. 
So that is the additional information. I like it. Very important. Everybody, Mm -hmm. please make sure all the veterinarians you work with know this about Addisonian patients. Put down the salt. (laughs) Put down the salt. (laughs) Gosh. Okay. Well, so in today's snack-sized episode, we are going to feature hero animals. Yay. Tiny metals everywhere. Yeah. And JJ has the first story. Okay, so this comes from an article from CNN. The author of the article is Jesse Yuen, and it's about a rat. I love it. Okay, so a rat in Cambodia has been heralded a hero and awarded for saving lives. Magawa, an African giant pouched rat, which I need to look that up because that sounds interesting, was given a gold medal by the British veterinary charity People's Dispensary for Sick Animals, PDSA, for his work detecting undetonated landmines in Cambodia. Wow. He's a bomb-sniffing rat. That is amazing. Yeah. Decades of conflict have left the Southeast Asian country littered with millions of landmines and other explosive remains of war that still kill or injure dozens of people each year. Cambodia, with the assistance of other countries has spent years slowly clearing the land of explosive, but it's difficult and dangerous work. This is where Magawa comes in. So Cambodia done trained them a rat, and he sniffs out those bombs and saves people's lives. Yeah, I was reading about that. So there's a whole program that they use to breed these rats and train them for service. I mean, just like you would for a bomb-sniffing dog. But the rats are really interesting because they are so light that they don't accidentally detonate the landmines. So they can point them out, but the rat using the rats is a lot safer than using like a dog or a bigger type animal because the rat can actually walk over the landmine and not disrupt it because mm-hmm. they're so little. Apparently he's pretty fast at it. Uh, he said he can clear an area the size of a tennis court in 30 minutes. That's really amazing. <laughs> That's a very efficient bomb sniffer. Now, uh, what uh, what agency is it that has given him this award? The British Veterinary Charity People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. And I think this is the first time they've ever awarded it to a rat, right? Yes, it is. When I was reading earlier, I think that they've they've awarded lots of dogs, some horses, only one cat ever, <laughs> and then this is the first rat ever. I mean, he's a cool rat. Yeah, and his trainer is really cool, too. I watched an interview with her, so congratulations to Magawa, mm-hmm. the bomb-sniffing rat who has won a major award. And there's photos of him wearing his tiny medal on a blue ribbon. I love it. Tiny medals. And there's videos online of him working. So he works like on a long line. It's really, really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it's really, really awesome. I love it. I like rats. They're good people. I do too. Rats are really awesome. People have like a weird reaction to them sometimes. But mm-hmm. I worked with a veterinarian whose daughter had rats. And I'd not really encountered rats as pets before then. But they are smart and they are really, really affectionate. Like mm-hmm. overall, a very good pet to have. Mm-hmm. Highly trainable. And they're cute. 
They are cute. They've got the tail. Other people don't like the tail. I like the tail. I like the tail. They're fairly clean, too. Like, mm-hmm. especially compared to dogs. Well, I mean. <laughs> rats like, are way cleaner than dogs. <laughs> the ferrets, man, they stink. Rats, they, they have a little bit of a weird kind of, you know, gamey odor. But they're not, like, terrible. And you can put them in a ball and they'll run around in it. <laughs> I never detected a rat smell at all. To me, they just smell neutral. It's very mild. Mm-hmm. It probably depends on male and female, too. But I had a coworker that had one. She had gotten him for school because she had to do like a lab animal course. And mm-hmm. she kept him because she just loved him so much. And she would bring him to work and had this little clear plastic ball that he would run around in around the treatment <laughs> floor. It was fun. I always liked it when she brought him to work. Oh, dear. He was my friend. oh man so what's the next uh tiny hero we have a cat hero yes so when i was looking up articles for this of course i went straight for like uh the cat ones because cats (laughs) are my jam so i found a story about a kitty cat named joey and joey lives in canada and Joey is a hero because he saved his family from a house fire. Mm-hmm. So Joey had been adopted by the couple from an animal rescue about two years before it happened. He did have a brother, a dog named Weston. So he and Weston got along and he lived with the family uh, for two years. Then one night, just as the couple was settling in, trying to go to bed, They put some food in the slow cooker. They were going to let it cook overnight. And then in the wee hours of the morning, Joey wakes them up. He was pacing on the bed, standing on them, pawing at their faces and purring really loudly, trying to wake them up. And this, although, I don't know, for my cats, that would be typical behavior. (laughs) I guess for Joey, this was really unusual. He usually let the owner sleep and would never interrupt them. So they knew something was up. So when he roused them enough, then they could smell smoke. So they went downstairs. The slow cooker was burning and smoke had filled the house. But luckily, they were able to turn it off and put the fire out themselves before any major damage was done. He saved them. Good kitty. The dog slept through the whole thing. (laughs) What the Well, I mean, maybe he had, you know, he had good dreams. He was... Fighting fires in his dreams or something. (laughs) Joey is also a black cat, Mm -hmm. which I, you know, have a particular affection for. Mm -hmm. The uh, article that I read said that this black cat is definitely a good luck charm. Mm -hmm. So he is on Instagram (laughs) and his handle is Joey. That's J-O-E-Y, the cat. (laughs) So you should check Joey out on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, that's great. <laughs> okay, JJ, who are we going to feature next? Uh, next is a one-year-old pit bull named Darby. Okay. It's, it's funny. The owner had said that whenever he tells the story that people don't believe him, so he has to show the scars in pictures to get okay. people to believe this actually happened. All right. I haven't heard this yet, so I'm I'm excited <laughs> about this. So the owner was out fishing one day, and it was nice weather, not hot at all. And Darby was in the car while he was out fishing. 
after he was fishing for a little while, he got a pretty aggressive tug on the line. So he fought with it for about 10 minutes. And unfortunately, he realized too late that he was catching a six-foot shark called a seven-gill shark, which I haven't heard of. At this point, the shark was in the shallow area with him, and he was trying to get the shark detached from his line. So wait, is he in the boat? or is No, he, he's, he's standing the in the shallow end okay. of the oh, ocean. Boy. Yeah. So he was trying to get the shark detached from the line, and uh-huh. the shark latched onto his ankle. It bit him on the ankle? It did, and oh it God. was not letting go. So he knew there was some people nearby, so he started calling for help because he couldn't get the shark to let go. And he said there was, like, blood everywhere. Darby heard him calling and somehow opened the car door, got out, and came running. What? He did. First, he tried to bite the shark in the area of the gills, but that just made the shark bite down harder on the owner. (laughs) So the owner was like telling Darby to back (laughs) off, back off. So Darby decided to try a different tactic and Mm -hmm. grabbed the shark by the tail, drug it out of the water and up a hill, which pretty much made the shark release its hold on the guy's ankle. And the guy was able to get out of the water. They tossed the shark back into the water and the owner was able to make a complete recovery. Oh, my God. Very much thanks to Darby. (laughs) What? I mean, only a pit bull, right, is going to grab a fish that big and Mm. able to pull it out of the water, convince it to let go. (laughs) And I was like, daggum. So he's like, yeah, that's crazy. It sounds like a tall fisherman's tail. It does. I mean, uh uh, yeah. He said, I "I got the scars and pictures to prove it happened. (laughs) He was like, you know, Darby was a rescue and was already a pretty close part of the family, but even more so now because he's a he's a hero with he deserves a tiny medal. Oh, my God. He does need a tiny medal. <laughs> well, I guess a big me- I mean, that sounds like how big of a dog do you have to be to you said it was a six foot shark, mm-hmm. a six foot seven gill. Yep. Which that's weird. Yeah. I've never seven heard of a gill seven shark. gill shark, but I guess that means it has seven gills. I don't know. Oh, boy. I am very afraid of shark attack as a just general Yeah, situation. I don't think I would have tried to disconnect the shark. I would have been like, you know what? You can have the pole. Bye. Yeah, please, please. take everything. Well, <laughs> but then, you know, it's going to harm the shark long term. Like, True. But still, like, I don't know. <laughs> How about just don't fish in the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> When I've been to the beach before and people are like standing on the shore fishing or standing on the pier fishing and I'm like, there are pedestrians or whatever you call normal swimming people. Like, Mm -hmm. can we not do that? But people catch sharks all the time just Mm -hmm. standing on the beach or whatever, like sometimes right next to where I've been swimming and I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, I'll just stay in a pool. I could be mistaken as a seal so easily. (laughs) Whatever. Have you seen? Oh my god! Have you seen? There's this commercial now. It is an old commercial. Okay, it was like from my childhood or maybe early adulthood. Okay, what are those snack cakes that are brown, like they're chocolate, but they've got like a white drizzle on them? Uh, it's like a chocolate muffin thing, but it's got like a white squiggle. Oh, you talking about a ding dong? Maybe. I have to look it up. Hang on. No, those don't have... Let's see. God. Um, chocolate 
Snack cake. Hostess makes them. I think there's several people that make kind of the same thing, but... Oh, they're just Hostess cupcakes. Okay. What's the ding-dong, then? I don't know. I googled ding-dong and it brought up Oh, don't. Why did you Google that? I don't know, JJ. Why? <laughs> Luckily, uh, I had safe search on. It also occurs to me that when agree. I first said ding dong, I'm sure my accent was kicking. Ding dong. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But it's, so it's hostess. <laughs> why the fuck did I Google ding? No, don't do that. Okay. God. Yeah, All there's right. just some so, things you shouldn't Google. Anyway, it's a hostess cupcake. So. <laughs> The commercial is like the shark's point of view, okay? It's swimming. And it looks up, and it looks like it's a giant hostess cupcake, and the shark is, like, going to eat the cupcake or whatever. It's actually a lady sitting in an inner tube, and her bathing suit happens to have a white squiggle. Oh, no. So the shark is swimming, and it looks up. And it sees the hostess cupcake, and then meanwhile it cuts to, like, you know, above the water where mm-hmm. a lady, she's sitting in an inner tube, she's, like, kicking her feet, she's, like, suntanning, like, being very excited or whatever, and it's like, the shark sees the cupcake, this is really what's happening with the lady, and it's like, back and forth, back and forth, and the shark, like, gets to her, and she's like, whoo, and, like, she, like, doesn't die or whatever, she, like, springs up into the air. And then it cuts to the shark, which is now like a puppet shark through the inner tube. And it goes, hey, where's the cream filling? (laughs) So anyway. Oh, Lord. We'll just move right along there. I'm sorry. Next on our list is two penguins. They're both lady penguins named Electra and Viola. And... They are a same-sex penguin couple. Oh. They live at Spain's Oceanographic Valencia Aquarium. And recently they have incubated and hatched an adopted egg together. That's adorable. So, so the aquarium caregivers noticed that the two penguins were going through typical like mating behaviors and preparing for nesting. So they were building nests out of stones um, and different things like that. So they had an egg that they needed to be incubated. So instead of incubating it like artificially, they gave it to the penguin couple to let them see if they could hatch and raise it. And they have hatched it. So now they have a, a little chick that they take care of that's too cute so actually same-sex couples in penguins is actually pretty common Mm -hmm. this is the first same-sex penguin match at this aquarium but it is pretty common (laughs) and so there have been other penguins in other parts of the world that have uh, been a same-sex pair and and hatched eggs and raised chicks but this is the first time that it was two female penguins yeah, as I say, I've heard of males before. I haven't heard mm-hmm. of females, but yeah, that's yeah. super cool of them to give them their little. Very I know when I gave them a little egg, they get tiny medals. And there's photos online of them with the chick. It's so cute. <laughs> Love it. It's super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Did they name the baby penguin? They have not named it yet because it takes some amount of time to be able to determine the sex of the penguin i guess Mm, is not gotcha like it takes time they've got to get a little bit older to be able to like confidently tell 
there has not been a gender reveal party for the penguins <laughs> yet. But one of the articles I read did did mention that there might be one. <laughs> Hopefully they won't start a forest fire or anything yeah. terrible. Hopefully they'll just be like, hey, here, here's the information. Let's, let's not do anything cray cray. Penguin. <laughs> anyway. Same-sex couples are common in more than 450 species, both in zoos and in nature. And it is not that uncommon for penguins either, So, just in general, even in the wild. I want to say that the study that I was looking at was like 28% of all penguins display same-sex preferences or something like that. <laughs> what this reminds me of is, because uh, I'm a huge fan of the show Parks and Recreation, there's an episode early on where uh, Leslie Nope throws a penguin wedding at the zoo because she is like it'll be cute but then she doesn't find out till later that they're both males so she becomes like an kind of like an accidental hero in the gay community and they <laughs> throw like a huge party for her and stuff like that <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um <laughs> so it reminded me of the penguin wedding from <laughs> parks and recreation That's super exciting they should throw them a penguin wedding. Yeah, it would be super cute. They can My have the, the little chick be the flower chick. <laughs> Penguins normally lay two eggs at a time. They take about 38 days to hatch. And each parent takes turns incubating the egg in the nest. Once the chicks are born, they usually take about 75 days to become independent. <laughs> and this chick was born in August. So it's very exciting. Miss it, it's so tiny. Uh, it says, like most penguin couples, the two swapped incubating duties daily until the egg hatched. It's a team. It's a super good penguin team. Don't they also mate for life? Am I remembering that correctly? Most penguins are monogamous. That means that male and female pairs will mate exclusively with each other for the duration of the mating season. In many cases, the male and female will continue to mate with each other for most of their lives for example, researchers found that chinstrap penguins repaired with the same partner 82% of the time and Gen 2 penguins repaired 90% of the time. Sounds like it's pretty close to life. What kind of penguins were these? It does not say. Hmm. The cute kind. The cute kind. Oh, I'm sorry. Gen 2 penguins. <laughs> well, it doesn't specifically say, but it's implied that they're Gen 2 penguins. Baby penguins. Okay, guys, so the Halloween special is coming up. This is the last call for submissions. Please send us your haunted clinic stories. Mm -hmm. I live for those stories. Clinic ghost stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spooky animal stories. Or then generally stuff that happened on Halloween. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. All right, JJ, where are they going to send it? They're going to send it to Introvets Podcast at gmail.com that's right also don't forget to check us out on facebook and instagram at introvets and subscribe rate and review the podcast it really does help please please <laughs> and we'll see you next time bye bye